Hi, this is Pastor James Strickland, and you are listening to our sermon cast for Homeland Park Baptist Church. Well, we're going to jump back into the book of Mark. Uh, That's where we left off before the Christmas season hit. And uh, we're looking at the power that comes from Jesus. And today we look at the power of his provision and the feeding of the 5,000. Some of you are saying, come on now, I'm already hungry, let's not... Talk about the food. The the issue is not the food. The issue is the miracle behind that. And, you know, many times we think that we do not have enough or that we we may need something more to serve the Lord. In other words, I don't have enough age. I don't have enough experience. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough money. I don't don't have what it takes yet to serve God. And, And Jesus gives us a great illustration of why that is some, as one preacher called, stinking thinking, all right? Uh, there, there's a better way to look at that. You see, last month, God laid this passage on my heart as I wrote an article for our newsletter entitled, You Feed Them. And uh, that went out to raving reviews. Y'all couldn't stop talking about it. But um, that was a joke, but that's okay. Um, was was a little self-deprecation in the, uh, in the uh, pulpit, but... All joking aside, the premise was this. The premise of that article was the disciples' problem was that they were focusing on what they did not have, which was food and money, rather than who Jesus was. So this morning we're going to take that and expand on that thought as we continue our power series from the Gospel of Mark in the New Testament, and we will discover the power of Jesus' provision. God, may you be with the reading of your word. May you glorify it, Lord, and may you reach hearts with it, Lord. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. The first thing that we don't like to say, but it's the truth, serving Christ can cause fatigue. Serving Christ can f- cause fatigue. And then when I put this together and started trying to think of the titles that explain the Scripture, I thought, man, somebody's going to say that uh, preacher's saying it's tiring uh, serving the Lord, and it shouldn't be tiring, it should be a joy. Well, I'm going to tell you, it's a joy. It is a joy, and it is a privilege to be able to serve the Lord, but doggone it, sometimes it's tiring. Sometimes we need a break. Sometimes even Jesus sees that we need a break. And let's see, verse 30 of chapter 6, it says, The apostles, which he uses the term apostles here, which means someone who's authorized as a messenger. So, in other words, the apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all he had done and taught. And then Jesus said to them, to the apostles or the disciples, whichever one you want to use, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. We're going to get away from everything. We're going to get out of the rat race. Why did he say this? He said this because it says in verse 31, he said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. Have y'all ever been so busy that you, you worked through a meal and you didn't even know it? I mean, sometimes we just get so busy we don't feel like eating. We don't have time to eat. These, these guys were, were with Jesus and they were doing healings and they were doing miracles. And they were listening to his teaching and they were, while he was teaching, they would do crowd control. They would do all of these things. And then, so they were tired, right? And the thing is, is that what we see here is Jesus is asking them, to withdraw. And what I want you to see in this is that sometimes Jesus may lead you to deserted places. 
Jesus may lead you to deserted places. You see, here we see Jesus' heart for the disciples. And even those of us in here that serve him, whether you be a full-time, part-time, or volunteer, or, or however you serve the Lord, even if it's serving the Lord as a family member in your home. If you serve the Lord, sometimes he knows that we need to draw away or pull away. And Jesus knows this fact. Jesus knows that serving him can be exhausting at times. Taking time to withdraw and connect with God is crucial. As a matter of fact, Jesus modeled that. Many times he would go away from the crowd just to spend time with his heavenly Father. But Jesus was going uh, to provide for them just in a way that they never would expect. There's some biblical examples of people getting perspective with God's help. If you remember, God gave his people rest in Egypt. While, while, they were, while they were delivered from Egypt, they were walking in the wilderness for how many years? Forty. Forty years. And all that time, they never had to work for food because it was provided for them. You remember what that food was called? It was called manna. And they could only use enough manna for that day. And if they tried to store it for tomorrow, you know, some of y'all, your refrigerators are probably like ours. We got lots of good leftovers for the week. Amen. But there's no leftovers when it comes to God, when it comes to manna. As he was taking care of his people, if they tried to save it, if they tried to store it, it would ruin. The only time that they could store it would be on Saturday night so that they could go through the Sabbath and not have to work. So he gave them manna. He, gave, he provided for them food. And they would make bread out of that. And he also provided direction for them. Do you remember that during the day... He led them by a cloud in the sky. They would follow the cloud, and he would lead them which way to go. And then at night, that cloud would be a pillar of fire. And they would follow him at night with the fire. He would give them the light to lead the way. So, my friend, what I want you to understand today is that, and I try to understand today, is that God provides for us even when we don't see it. God provides us, and when you look at the fact that although they were in exile, although they were out in the wilderness, God was still providing for them. My friend, if you feel like you're in the wilderness, do not think that God has forgotten you. God is providing for you. He's giving you the strength, if nothing else, to be here today. And we see here that God provided food, God provided direction, but it was just enough for that day. Time after time after time in scriptures, what do we see? We see that God says, look, you worry about today. Today's got enough trouble of its own. I'll be with you tomorrow. And that way, every day, we are depending upon him. You see, God's provision, my friends, you will find God's provision when you take the time to rest And quit trying to provide for yourself. You will find God's provision when you take the time to rest and quit trying to provide for yourself. We see that the first step in that is following Jesus' direction. As we look at the scripture, verse 32 says, So they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. But many people recognized them and saw them leaving, and people from many towns ran along ahead of the shore and got there ahead of them. So Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. That is a key statement. He had compassion on them because they looked like a sheep 
without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Well, we see in this passage that a self-elevated status leads you to see people as problems rather than people worth helping. Let me put it another way. Sometimes you're too consumed with yourself to see the problems with others. I was talking to somebody close to me the other day, and they were that we were going into a situation that uh, was going to be kind of awkward, and they were saying, "Well, I I, I don't know about this. I, this is going to be like I say awkward." And I I lovingly told this person who I love very much, I said, "Don't don't take this the wrong way, but it's not about you." And it wasn't. It was about that person that we were seeing. And my friends, we like to make everything about us. But in reality, it's not about us. If we elevate our needs and our problems and what we have going on, we are so consumed in our lives that we don't have time to see others. Others become interruptions rather than opportunities. And Jesus is warning the disciples about this. You see, serving God is important, but to do so effectively and over the long haul, it requires time for rest and renewal. One of Satan's greatest tools in ministry and in families and in jobs is something called burnout. If Satan cannot get you through temptation, he will make you so self-consumed to where you will burn out until you finally don't care about anything and jesus was combating this you know satan knows if you're obsessed with yourself and he will also know that if you are too busy worrying about yourself that you're not worrying about others and then he's got you but jesus shows compassion for his disciples who are wandering i mean check this out verse 34 says he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd no not only was he compassionate for his disciples, it was those people that were following him. How many of y'all like KFC or any of that? Well, anyway, there's a guy that started KFC. His name was Colonel Sanders. And the late Colonel Sanders, a Kentucky Fried Chicken, was on an airplane. And when an infant screamed and would stop, would not stop, even though the mother and the flight attendant tried every trick they could think of. As all that was going on on the airplane... Everybody's trying to get that child to be quiet. Finally, the colonel asked if he could hold the baby. So it's a kind of weird picture of seeing Colonel Sanders, the chicken king, holding a baby on an airplane. But he was doing that. And he gently rocked that baby to sleep. Later, the passenger said, we all appreciate you doing that for us, colonel. And Colonel Sanders replied, I didn't do it for us. I did it for the baby. You see, the baby was not happy. The baby had something wrong. The only thing it knew it could do is cry. And it was up to the adults to figure out how to help that baby. And my friends, there are people that are living in sin outside of these walls and even in these walls. And there are people that don't know any better. They are lost and they are afraid and they are crying and they are acting out and they are doing horrendous things because they don't know any better. And we're trying to keep them quiet so we can feel better about ourselves when actually it's to help them, that is our goal. Jesus knew that. And the disciples, because they were fatigued, lost sight of their purpose. And they saw the people that were coming to hear, to hear them and to hear Jesus teach. They saw them as an obstacle. You see, Jesus serves compassion 
to you because he loves you and he cares about you. Let me ask you something. Can you remember a time in your life when someone showed compassion to you? When someone took time out of their schedules to come to you and help you with something that you were going through? Many of you can, I'm sure. And then the next follow-up question would be, how many of you can remember when you showed compassion to someone else? Here we see Jesus showing compassion. Compassion for the apostles and those in need. Let's look at verses 35 through 40, where we look to Jesus for provision rather than the size of your problem. Look to Jesus for the provision rather than the size of your problem. Have you noticed the more you emphasize on the problem that you have, the bigger it becomes? And you have access to Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the one who is over everything. But yet sometimes these little minute things become so big in our lives, we lose sight of the one we serve and the one that we love. So verse 35, late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. Now, (laughs) I don't know about y'all, but I've been on plenty of trips, been on plenty of church trips, been on plenty of youth trips. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you, when you pull into town and all the restaurants are close to closing or closed, that is a bad sign because the people will get restless and they will look at you and want to string you up. But the truth of the matter is, you you take any good God-fearing Baptist, you put them in a situation where they're hungry and they don't have food, that's going to be a real test of faith, isn't it? Or better yet, you know, you got a covered dish supper and there's only one spoonful left of your favorite dish and there's five people in front of you. You going to think about other people right there? I don't think so. I don't know what it is about Baptist and food. We love them. But all joking aside... They were in this remote place, and the crowds were coming, and all the disciples saw was, there's no way we can feed these people. We don't have the resources. That's a legitimate concern, wouldn't you think? We don't have the food. We don't have the time. Send them away. Tell them to go home and grab a ham sandwich and come back tomorrow. But no. What does Jesus say? Whoa, wait a minute. You feed them. Say what? You feed them. So what is their immediate response? Read the scripture. With what? Excuse me. They look in their pockets. There's, there's no money in their pockets. And they're not carrying a, a bucket of fried chicken with them. And I mean, they're, they're just, they don't have anything. And Jesus says, you feed them. And they're like, with what? Legitimate concern. It's not unspiritual for them to ask that question. But they're just saying, with what? We've had to work for months to earn even enough money to buy food for all these people. In other words, there's no way we could feed them right now. Again, they forgot who they were following. And then we see it says, how much bread do you have, he asked. Go find out. So they came back and reported, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. For 5,000, when it says feeding the 5,000, that was 5,000 men and their families. So the numbers were above, well above 5,000 people. And so, I don't know about y'all, but could y'all make three loaves of bread and two fish? 
I mean, can you imagine what little piece of food someone would get? And that wouldn't fill them up, would it? No, it wouldn't. So they came back and reported what they had. Verse 39, then Jesus told the disciples to have the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of 50 or 100. So imagine that. We're all, we're about 50 people in here. We're all sitting in our little section and we're just waiting. So what are we thinking? I better be first. We were here before them. Oh, yeah, I love it when Sunday after church, you see a good God-fearing Christian going to a restaurant, and God forbid somebody sits down and gets served before they did, they're going to let the waiter know about it. The waitress know about it. But the truth of the matter is, is that Jesus told the disciples to sit down on the green grass, and I'm sure they're thinking, there's no way there's going to be enough food for us. Folks, times of fatigue do not release us from the responsibility of helping others. Times of fatigue do not release us from the responsibility of helping others. Have you ever wanted some me time? Have you oh, I'm tired, I need to withdraw. Look, there's nothing wrong with taking some, some mental health time, some time for yourself. But it's not to a point to where you take time for yourself, withdraw within yourself, and shut out the rest of the world. The apostles wanted some me time. Jesus' provision showed that it's not about me, it's about thee. I'm promising you, if you are doing things, and God is calling you to do things, and you are attempting things that are big for God, and you don't feel like you have enough for it, you don't feel like you're equipped for it, the best thing to do is pray and give it to God, because it's not about you, it's about Him. And the disciples are going to learn, it is about Jesus and what he can do with what we have. Because little is much to Jesus. You see, we are tempted to tell Jesus what little we have when all he wants is us to give it to him. We are tempted to say, Jesus, this is all I got. He says, okay, give it to me. Here's the thing. Check this out. Jesus can do more with a person who has little but is completely devoted to him than someone who has a lot and is very lowly committed to him. Jesus could do more with someone who has little that is fully devoted to him than to someone who has everything in the world but is not committed to him. So my friend, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, whatever you got is what Jesus wants. And whatever you got, Jesus will use. And whatever you got, Jesus will multiply to feed thousands. Jesus forces us to take inventory of what we have so that we may use it to bless others. And when Jesus calls to you, he doesn't ask you to measure up to a standard. He will help you. He calls you as you are with what you have. So here's a life question for you to think about. You don't have to answer it out loud. This is something for you to to ponder. Have you talked yourself out of experiencing God's provision in your life because you want to hold on to what little you have? Have you talked yourself out of experiencing God's provision in your life because you want to hold on to what little you have? That's a question only you can answer. And I don't know if you, if you understand the question, but the best way I can say it is, is that are you holding on to something that you don't want to let go of because you're afraid God won't give it back? Well, i got news for you. If God d- takes it from you, and doesn't give it back, you didn't need it to start with. 
But this is God's provision. Wouldn't you rather see God take what little you have and multiply it than to hold on to what little you have and die with it? Just in a personal testimony, I had nothing of any significance as an insecure high school teenager when he called me to salvation. And then as an 18-year-old called me into ministry. Little did I know the journey that he would take me on. A little red-headed boy, not little, but a big red-headed boy in Bowling Springs, South Carolina, that he would bring me to where I am here today. Little did I know how much he would bless me. And he calls out to you today. There may well very be a future pastor, a teacher, a missionary, a Christian business person in this sanctuary today. And then the third thing that we see is that Jesus is concerned with every aspect of your life, my friends, no matter who you are. Verse 41 says, Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish, looked up toward heaven and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. He also divided the fish for everyone to share. They all ate as much as they wanted, and afterward the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish. So not only, not only did they have a little bit, but they had leftovers. A total of 5,000 men and their families were fed. Folks, Jesus did not see the feeding of the 5,000 as a problem, but an opportunity to glorify the Father. Jesus did not ignore the needs of the apostles because they were hungry too. But check out the true beauty of this, this ministry here. You had the disciples or the apostles, same thing. They said, look, we don't have enough to eat. And he said, okay, look, I'm going to spread all these people out and you feed them. They thought, Jesus, you've lost your mind. But then as they started giving out the food, sure enough, it never ran out. I was watching, uh, there was an interview of Elon Musk. You know who Elon Musk is, right? Brilliant, brilliant guy. He's the what, founder of SpaceX and Tesla. And that, thing, that, that interview went on for almost two hours. And it was amazing that to hear, I mean, he's, he's definitely, Elon Musk is an eccentric person. And it was interesting to hear these people with, I guess you could say Christian backgrounds, asking him faith-based questions. Uh, but the last question, I couldn't believe they asked him, but it, It was pretty impressive. They said, so would you like to have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today? They said, Elon Musk. And his, of course, his answer was very vague. And um, you you could say, I mean, he's definitely got some spiritual background. And the reason I bring that up, though, is that in the interview, he brought up the feeding of the 5,000. Now, he is a brilliant mind. He, you know, as far as engineering and uh, he's a rocket engineer, engineer, and he knows all of these different things. But yet he was saying, you know, when you look at the parable of the, the feeding of the 5,000, what happened? Did the bread just appear, or did they take one out and another one just... He was th- thinking about the process of it rather than the purpose of that. Can you imagine the disciples went from doubting that they could feed people to now feeding people to the point to what they have left over. I've shared this illustration before. Maybe you've heard it, but we were on a mission trip in Richmond. We were feeding homeless. And if you've ever fed homeless, you know that one of the greatest things to them that is as as beautiful as gold would be milk. Milk. They love milk. 
And I will never forget, we were out of milk. And there were some people that, there's some, some homeless people that still wanted some. Somehow we only had two gallons of milk. But that two gallons of milk ended up giving milk to over 50, 60 people. I don't know how it worked. But it did. God multiplied. So do these things happen today? Absolutely they do. So we must live out this passage for the world to understand it. We must live out this passage so we can understand it. Because, check it out, Jesus has a reason. When you see the miracles of Jesus in the Bible, every one of them has a reason or a purpose behind it. The Gospel of John tells us that this very miracle was the basis for his sermon on the mount, as, or the sermon on him being the bread of life. Remember, the, the bread came from heaven. He's now connecting himself with the bread that came to heaven to provide for you. I am now the bread of life. Unfortunately, many often fail to get the spiritual message behind these miracles. My friend, don't be guilty of what many of those that day were guilty of. They wanted the gift, but they did not want the giver. They wanted the gift, but they did not want the giver. They wanted the physical blessings, but they did not want the accountability. Do not look to Jesus only for what he gives you today, my friend, but know that he is the Son of God, your Savior and your Lord. So in conclusion, I would say Jesus' power of provision proves who he really is. You realize Jesus knows who he is. He doesn't have an identity crisis. When the disciples expressed concern where the crowd of thousands would eat, Jesus offered a surprising solution. You feed them. Why did Jesus say that? Because he knew who he was and he knew what he could do. So that means who is Jesus to you? Are you feeding others? You will never know the power of God's provision until you put others before yourselves and help feed them, whether it be physically or spiritually. I'll tell you what, and, and you can disagree with me all you want, But you will never know the full blessing of living a Christian life until you have been a part of leading someone to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. It's not just the preacher's job. It's not just the evangelist's job. It's everybody's job. So don't let the lack of vision for who Jesus is trick you into thinking that he has not equipped you to do his work. It takes a step of faith to feed the hungry. It takes a step of faith to share the gospel. And Jesus will take what little bit you have and multiply it. If you don't believe it, take it from a red-headed, weird teenager from Boiling Springs, South Carolina. God can use me. He can use anybody. And he can use you. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for our time together this morning. And Lord, our invitation is simply this. Lord, if there's someone here today that would say, I just want to give what little bit I have to the Lord. He's calling me to serve him. I'm not sure how that's going to be, but Lord, uh, I know that he has called me to take what I have to give to him and for him to use, Lord. I just encourage that person to to pray this morning if they want to make a commitment of that and and to have the church pray for them in that commitment. May they come forward. Maybe someone doesn't know you as a Savior and Lord, and they want to know that peace that only comes from you. This time of invitation is for you to respond and for him to be glorified. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Would you please stand?